0: what a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord and we have brought heaven down one more time this is what I call the fortress of heaven when God's people gather together to bring praise and honor to God things happen God's presence is here and there is no other place I would rather be than here this God that we came to worship, we joined the angels this morning and they send the world over to bow down and to bring adoration to the God to whom alone worship is due. Over in Africa, they have already worshipped this same God about eight, nine hours ahead of us. Over in the Middle East, they have already worshipped this God about maybe ten hours ahead of us. Over in Asia, they have already worshiped this God. Maybe about uh, 11 hours and 12 ahead of us here and over in California and San Francisco and Washington State. They're just about to wake up to worship this God. And for us in this wind of time, this is our time to worship this God. When all is said and done in the, in the 24 hours, we will make our mark. This is our mark. This is our time to bring to join those who have worshipped, those who are coming behind us we all rise up to worship be some god he is worthy to be worshiped what a god what a god Hindus have over three uh 300 million gods uh in asia and um in africa so many others and the world uh, has so many other gods but this one god we came to worship he alone is god the bible says And He alone is worthy to be worshipped. What a God. Thank you, choir. Thank you, my pastor, brother, Jamal. Thank you, Forest Baptist Church. It's a joy to be with you one more time again this morning. As I always say, I come here to refill and to refuel so I can go out and conquer the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you bless me by the singing, by your love, and just by being here to worship with you, I'm so blessed. And I came one more time to thank you for holding the rope for me. I get that from uh, William Carey, the father of modern missions. When he went to India, beginning what we know today as the um, the modern missionary movement, a man in Europe by name Andrew Fuller held the rope for him. William Carey never returned to Europe, but Andrew Fuller was this one man who stood behind what William Carey was doing at a time when missions did not make sense to people. It never occurred to them that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, in Africa, in America, in Asia, anywhere, should not perish but have everlasting life. That it is our honor, privilege, and mandate as a local church to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to every city and every corner of the planet Earth. I went on behalf of heaven and on your behalf last year. I was in 10 countries. We spoke to over 80,000 students all over Eastern and Central Africa and so many, many others came to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as the gospel of Christ was preached. Talk to so many pastors who will never make it to any Bible college or any seminary. Over 2,000 pastors going through training so they can take the word of God and preach the gospel in their communities and ground their people in the sound, sure, biblical teaching of the word of God. We had an orphanage begun and about finished that is going to house 200 young orphans in the middle of nowhere in Africa. And that will be done by this summer. It's completely done. We need to do some inside finishings and that house is done. James said, "Pure and acceptable religion before God the Father, is to visit the orphans and the widows in their time of need. And so we don't go as those who don't are, have the eyes of Christ. We are Christ's feet, Christ's heart, Christ's hands. We feel for Jesus. We touch for Jesus. We don't just preach. We do what we preach. And so on behalf of Christ, we visit the widows and orphans. I was actually with 100 widows in Congo, DRC, who are who are left behind because of their husbands dying in the war that's going on in Congo everywhere. And began the project of buying them sewing machines so they can be able to meet their needs and those of their families. That project is going on as well. We drill a well uh, in southern Kenya that is now serving ten thousand people in the community, the only source of water in the region. And planning to plant a church there and call it Living Water, Baptist Church. So when they come for the physical water, there too they will get the spiritual water of the word of God. We finished the Bible college. Bible college that is only four rooms. They're large. One, uh, two large classrooms, one office and one library. By the way, if you think that is very small, you go to Southern Seminary and find out where it began. I think in the Carolinas, uh, in a house, and then it came down south, uh, downtown Louisville, uh, in a little building, and look at it down. And so, who knows? We call it Alithia Bible College, Alithia is a Greek word for truth. Because my goal in Africa, I want Africa to dance as they dance, I want Africa to wear their beautiful attires as they wear, I want them to sing as they sing, as long as they sound in the Bible. I don't care. As long as they are sound in the Bible, they can dance, they can sing, they can do whatever they want. As long as they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is all I care about. And I'm going back. Um, because I take every year and treat every year as my last year. And I hope it is not. But I don't have a guarantee over that. I take every day as my last day. And I preach every sermon as my last sermon. And I take every summer as my last summer. And if this be the last summer, I want you to count for heaven. And so I came to ask you to stand with me and to and to hold the rope one more time for me. As I go on your behalf and on behalf of heaven. Thank you so much for letting me do this. Paul and Peter are jealous to see me do this. But they are also very grateful that I keep passing on and carrying on the torch of the gospel and the light that they left behind, the baton of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, what an honor to do what we do. Thank you for being missions-minded, for taking the gospel to your community and to your world on behalf of Jesus. Thank you so much. Last, Last year, last time I was here... I talked to you about why I do what I do. And I talked to you about heaven. I told you why I'm driven to do the things I do. I talked to you about that my life is driven by another kingdom, by another nation, by another world, by another king, by another savior, Jesus the Christ. I do what I do because I believe in heaven. I do what I do because I'm going there. I do what I do because I believe everybody needs to go to heaven. And so I told you that I'm going there because because I have people who have gone ahead of me. I told you last time that I'm going there because my mansion is there. I told you last time that I'm going there because the only treasure that is going to last forever that I have is not the few dollars I have in the bank account, no, I will leave those behind. I go there because my treasures are there. I told you that I go there because my name is there. I told you that I go there because my citizenship is there. That is where I am a citizen here. I am a pilgrim. I am passing by in America, in Kenya, in any nation. I am, this is not my home. I'm just visiting and passing through. And lastly, I told you that I'm going there because that is where my Savior dwells. Paul says, set your mind above where Christ is. That is our home already according to Paul and according to the gospel. We are in Christ, seated in the heavenlies with him already. Heaven is waiting for our arrival. Heaven is waiting for when? We get there. But today, I came also to let you know that there's another side of eternity. There's another side of eternity that we need to talk about and we need to be aware about. There's another side of eternity that also drives me to do what I do. The other side of eternity, a place called hell. It's the reason I do what I do because much as I want everyone to go to heaven, I don't want any soul to go to hell. And so with every breath that I have and every ounce of energy within me, I will warn humanity about the holiness of God, the judgment of God in the lake of fire and offer them the opportunity Christ came on their behalf and died on the cross on their behalf. He rose again on their behalf. He is risen and is the savior of the world. Nobody, nobody needs to go to hell because Jesus paid it all on the cross. What would you think about Charles Juma if I was passing by and it was about to cross a road and I saw a blind man Blind man about to cross the road and the bus is passing. And I just stood there and I did not warn the blind man about the coming bus. And so the blind man crosses and the bus crushes him. And I just ignore and walked away. What would you say if I woke up in the middle of the night and my neighbor's house is on fire and they're calling on me? And I woke up and I checked through the window and i saw it happening but i decided to go back to sleep and just forget it what would you say if there was a child that that i saw about at the brink of the river and is about to jump and i to- and, and i just stood there and never warned him that he's gonna die what would you say of me ladies and gentlemen there is something much deadlier coming ahead of every human being much deadlier than drowning in a river. Much deadlier than being crushed by a bus. Much deadlier than being burned in a house. There is the judgment of God in the lake of fire for those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And yet, when I talk about hell today, the world tells me that I am narrow-minded. That I should wake up. That I should grow up. That I should stop. That I should preach. A more loving someone and I want to argue the most unloving thing I can do to you to my sibling to my parents to this world is not to warn them about the coming judgment it is the most unloving thing I can do if I truly love you if I truly care about you if I truly love you if I truly love my neighbor my siblings my parents, if I truly love the world, then I cannot help but tell them to not go to hell. I cannot help but warn them to turn around and come to Jesus and, um, and um, uh, embrace him as the savior of the world. And so today, I want to call on you to check out this place called hell. Usually when I preach the sermon on heaven, I do so in the mission field when I do open air meetings. I will tell my audience that I'm going to take them for a walk in heaven. But when I'm done with the walk, I'm going to let them decide if they want to come back or not. But usually when I talk about heaven or hell, I tell them I'm going to take them for a walk in hell. But when I'm done, I want to make sure everybody's out. And so today, I'm going to take you for a walk in hell. And when I'm done, I promise you, I will not leave you there. I want you out with me. I will, I will open the door. We will go in together. Don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. And when we are done, please don't remain behind. Come out with me. Come out with me. And so turn with me to the book of Luke chapter number 16. Luke number 16. And I'm going to read in verse number 19 to the last verse. Reading Luke chapter number 16. And I'm going to read verse number 19 to the last one. Luke 16 and verse number 19, if you're there, read with me. There was, we stand together for the word of God, also for you who are able to stand. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. That word simply means luxuriously. He was so rich that he fared sumptuously, luxuriously every day verse number 20 but there was a certain beggar named lazarus full of wounds who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs or with the spoils with the pieces that fell from the rich the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and and, and licked his wounds So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, in other words, in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus, that he may dip his the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. 26. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great goal fixed. So that those who, are, who, are, who want to pass or cross over from here to you cannot. Nor can those from there cross over to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send him, send Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, 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 Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, Nope. If they do not hear Moses, And the prophets and Jamal and the Charles Jumas of this world and the Macathas of this world and Dr. Mollers of this world if they don't hear them even if one came from the dead they won't they simply will not father in the name of your son we bow down one more time at the feet of the of the cross Seeking mercy and grace as I seek to talk to your people about you and about the gospel and about your holiness, about your love, and about your judgment. Father, hide me behind you this morning because I am unworthy to preach to do the things that you've called me to do this morning but in your obedience I will do it Jesus speak Holy Spirit move even now as only you can thank you for Jesus thank you for the cross thank you for redemption thank you for forgiveness and thank you for heaven in Jesus name Amen be seated please I want to bring to our attention the fact that Jesus actually spoke more about hell than he did heaven. This must be very, very important to the Son of God. It's the reason why he came. It's the reason why he gave his all on Calvary. That it might stop humanity from going to hell. Before actually I can walk you in, there are a number of preliminary Uh, points or remarks I need to call your attention to very quickly. There are a few things I'm going to give away for free uh, this morning. And uh, before we get to the subject, number one, I need you to notice how life is short. In verse number 22, read with me. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to to Abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried did you just realize that in one verse we just lost two people like that I mean one verse Lazarus died and immediately the rich man died and they're gone just like that we just lost two people in one verse my goodness, life is that short. Three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I was in Alabama, uh, First Baptist Church of Pelham, a church, about to preach, and a word comes from the hospital about this Sunday school teacher who, who had some kind of a heart problem that morning. They were rushed to the hospital, and we, we, we call on the church, and we go on our knees to pray we come back to the benches, another messenger came. The message we just got two minutes ago about the man who was being worked on in the hospital, the next message we got is he just, he just died, he just passed away. Just like that. Ladies and gentlemen, life is short. I was reading news in Kenya about about 20-some people in a bus. They were less than a kilometer to their destination. Two young girls, University of Nairobi Nairobi, uh, uh, students, who went on on a beauty contest. Young, beautiful ladies have their years ahead of them ready to see their parents who are waiting for them with open arms. Less than a kilometer to their destination, the bus stand over. 16 people died there were among them just like that they had they had no plans to die they had plans for other things you see ladies and gentlemen this is why we need to be ready about eternity because you just never know when the death angel is gonna knock at your door you just never know i you could see me right now and the next moment you hear that it is, it's gone. It's just gone. Many years back when I was so young, 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, you know, I looked at my life and I thought that, you know, I got 1,000 years ahead of me and nothing is going to happen. And the more I have grown in my age and maturity, the more I realized that it's not that far off. You know? It's not that far off. But that's not... The one thing I want to give away, I want you to notice something else. In the same verse, let me read it again, if you don't mind. So it was that the beggar died, notice that, the word beggar, and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. Did you realize that all people die? I mean, the beggar just died and immediately, who followed? The rich man. In other words, death does not discriminate. All people die. Poor people die, rich people die, old people die, young people die. I live in Hodgenville by a cemetery. And uh, I'm, not a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Kenyan, but I don't run. Uh, I don't know why I can't run. And so I, I do my kind of jogging in the cemetery over there. And people usually ask me, why don't you run over there? You know, like in the field, I say, well, I usually run in the cemetery because it's the only place I can win. The, the dead don't compete, you know, they just, they, just, they just sit there, you know. And so, but, but, but I always go through the cemetery, and whenever I go through the cemetery, I notice a number of things. I notice very small graves, and common sense tells me that the person that is lying there must have been a younger person. Then I also see, I, I, I keep walking, and I come across a very big grave, and a common sense tells me that the person lying there must have been a grown-up. so, young and old die alike. Then I, I, I keep walking, and I come across these, these graves, which are elaborately decorated and built, and common sense says that the person lying there probably is a rich person. And then I come across some graves which kind of faded in the, in the soil and in the grass. And then common sense perhaps tells me that the person probably didn't have a whole lot and somebody, nobody, nobody bothered to, to, to do anything with their grave. And so we come to the conclusion this morning not only that life is short, but we come to the conclusion that actually everybody dies at some point. The beggar dies, the rich die, The young and the old die. But that is not all. That is all. I want to give you one more giveaway here. In verse number 22 and 23. uh, Let me just read 23. And being in torment. Now, it is so funny to realize here that the rich man died. um, uh, the, 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 The rich man died and we don't hear about what happened. He died and the next verse we find him where? In torments. And in verse number 22, the Bible says that Lazarus died and he was carried to Abraham's bosom. And so we conclude that you choose where you're going to spend eternity right now and right here. Not before your death. Rather, not, not after your death. We don't find uh, the Lazarus uh, arguing with God or with Abraham saying, Now, God, now that I'm dead, where should I spend eternity? No, it was a done deal. He died and he was carried to Abraham's bosom. We don't find the rich man arguing with God and saying, God, now that I'm dead, where should I spend eternity? No, he died and he woke up in hell where he chose before he died. And so we conclude that we choose where we spend eternity when we're alive. When, we, when you can hear a summon, When you can make a choice. When you can decide on where you are going to go when you die. You don't make that decision when you are dead. After you, are de- you make it now. And therein is my invitation before I'm done. Because I want to call on you to choose today. Death or life. I want to call on you to decide... Where you want to spend eternity today? Is it in hell or in heaven? You can only do that before you die. Right now is when you can do that. I also want to call on you. Do you know somebody, a friend, a family member that does not know Jesus as Savior? The most loving thing you can do is to pray for them this morning and to try to reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the most loving thing you can do for them. I wish I had the time to tell a story. This morning, when I'm about to come to the US, first time, and I'm so excited about coming to America, so excited, everybody coming to America for the first time is almost like a second heaven, so excited. I want to come to America and the embassy needs, the embassy needs um, a document, a title deed that shows them that when I come to America, I will go back, that I got something back at home that will bring me back at home. And so, but my father doesn't have the title deed yet on his land. My uncle, who is a Muslim, has a title deed already and i called my uncle called my uncle and i talked to him if he could do something to help me out here this islamic uncle real uncle loved me enough that he changed his name and put my name on his title deed legally speaking 11.4 acres of land in my name so i could go to the embassy and present this document And because of the excitement, I was so much focused about my coming to America that I forgot that this man did not know Jesus and never, never cared to talk to him about Jesus. So I come to Nairobi and I go to the embassy. And and when I went to the embassy, I, I got the visa. But a day after, I got a telegram. Back then, there was a telegram. That's how you talked. This day, you can text or call. That then, there was a telegram. And they telegrammed me, and they said that this uncle just died. I just left him there like one week ago. According to tradition, you go back there, and uh, you pray by the grave. It's a tradition probably from the Catholics. I don't know. But I don't pray for the dead because it is, it's a done deal. But when I pray around there, I pray that the living may know Jesus as Savior. So I go over there, and I is an Islamic cemetery, and so my cousins and everybody else meets me, and we go uh, to the grave, and I begin to pray, and I'm not saying my uncle talked to me. No, that's not what I'm saying. But in my prayer, there was this voice, though my uncle was speaking to me directly and saying, you hypocrites. If you really, really, really believed this Jesus and this gospel, why didn't you tell me about him? You hypocrite, If you really, really cared about me, I gave you, I, he, has, he had one son, I gave you the only property I had putting aside my own son. And you believed in Jesus? And you love him? And now you're coming to pray here for what? It's too late. It's too late. So, I didn't tell anybody there. I walked away. I just stopped my prayer and decided to walk away. I have a tale of another uncle who was dying of hiv aids right about the same time before i came to the u.s his wife had left him with the children the villagers had gone ahead of him because of the stigma of hiv aids and nobody entered there he was in his bedroom according to my cultural tradition i'm not supposed to enter my father's bedroom or my uncle's bedroom because i is the respect it is it is it is it is their private quarters if you want But on this particular day, I decided to break the taboo. When I walked into this guy's bedroom, and long story short, I told him, my uncle, I'm going to the US, and I'm not so sure that I will see you again. And I know the villagers have left you, and everybody else has gone. But listen, I want to leave you with a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And when I'm gone, he will be here. And while your wife and your children have already left you. The villagers have deserted you. This person I'm about to introduce to you will not leave you, nor forsake you. And so beautifully, I, lay, I took his arm, his hands, and I led him into the sinner's prayer. And my uncle, God saved, and saw a beam of joy on his face. For the last time, I told him, Uncle, if I don't see you on this end, I will see you on that end. You see the story, these two stories of my uncle, one about whom I never did a thing. Another one about whom I dared to share Jesus with him. Do you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus as Savior? I could as easily finish this sermon right now and make an invitation, but allow me to go just a little further. Because I've not even taken you to hell yet. I was just giving you, give, give away. And I'm, going, I'm not going to keep you here forever. Allow me to go fast. Yes. Yes. Life is short. Everybody dies. Everybody chooses where they're going to spend eternity. Right now. Before they die. Not after their death. Having said that, let me open the door of hell. Walk with me for just a few minutes. Um, to see what kind of place is hell or what kind of place are we talking about here this morning. We come, and the very first thing we find out about hell is found in verse number 24. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place where people suffer, according to the gospel. When you find, listen to me, when you find a rich man who was living luxuriously, crying, you know that something is really, really painful. When you find a man who had so much that food fell from his table, and now He is so poor, he cannot afford a drop of water. He's begging for a drop of water. A man who owned the world when he was alive, but became so poor on the other side of eternity that he could not afford a drop of water. He begged, I just need a tip of water, a drop of water to cool my tongue. Please, just a drop of water. Hell is a place of torment. This is not a message to scare you. This is a message of love. It's a message to warn you. It's a message to call you to Christ and to the the God who loved you and who did everything in his power to make sure you don't go there. Mark 9, three times, Jesus says, Their worm never dies and their fire is not quenched." Revelation fourteen eleven, smoke of their torments goes up forever, and they have no rest day and night. Matthew thirteen fifty, there will be willing and gnashing of teeth in hell for endless years. And friends and families and people who know each other who never warned each other about hell, they will be probably cursing each other. Why didn't you tell me about hell? Do you know somebody who does not know Jesus as Savior? I'm giving the invitation even as I preach. Can we pray for them, if you don't mind, when when we're done here? May we? If you don't know him as Savior, would you please make that choice? Forget anybody who's watching. Forget your pride. Forget anything. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. But that is not all. Not only do we find that hell is a place of torment, number two, we find out In verse number 20, let me read them, verse number 25 and 26. When the rich man asking uh, uh, Abraham to send somebody, this is how Abraham responds. But Abraham said, son, um, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now is comforted and you are tormented. And listen, this is the part I want you to listen to. And besides, if that is not all, between us, there is a gulf fixed. So that no one can pass from there, nor somebody come from there to here. In other words, hell is a place of no second chances. You have been told by some doctrine out there that you you can die and you can go to hell. You can be in purgatory and you may get a second chance. Not according to your Bible, not according to my Bible. Once you go there, it's a done deal. Over. Done. The rich man hoped that that Abraham could do something about his situation. Abraham could send somebody. Maybe there was a bridge. Maybe there was a way to, to, to salvage this situation. But Abraham is basically saying, no second chances. I'm sorry. It's done. You see, Going to hell is not like Juma's haircut. This is a story I've told the world over. Probably it's over millions of people. Uh, when I first came to the U.S., I'm very particular about my hair. It is cut a certain way, and it's the only part of me that nobody touches uh, because I don't want it messed up. You mess up, you mess my day. Um, I, if, if, if I drove 20 miles and found out I did not check my, how my hair looks, I would go back to the mirror and look at it. Um... Uh, Don't ask me, I don't know what about it. I, I've talked to my mother, what, what did she do to my hair? I just, I, just, I just love my hair. So I came to the U.S., and, and to tell you how serious I am, uh, I, I made sure that I got a picture in Kenya, so that when I come to America, I was going to show it to, to my barber, and, 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 and make sure that he sees the way it is cut. So I was in Lexington, I just got here. So I went to this barber shop, and I talked to this guy, and I said, "Can, can are you sure you can cut this hair this way? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Are you sure? He said, yeah, yeah, I can. I said, okay, go to work. But let me be checking on the mirror. I said, no, no, don't worry. Don't check the mirror. Just Anyway, the guy was cutting my hair, and the whole time I was praying, God, please guide his hands. God, please guide his hands. And, uh, and, and I, I was so tempted to look at the mirror, but he would not let me. But anyway, when it was done, I looked at the mirror, and my head looked like a mountain. I've never seen my head so crooked that day. I was so mad, this man thought I was a warrior tribe and I was going to kill him. He he trembled to death on, on this particular day. But you see, I was so mad about my hair, but all I needed to do is probably wait for another three weeks and, and one month, and my hair would grow up and I would get the haircut I like. You know, again, at least I had a second chance. But when you go to hell, my friend, there is no second chance it's a done deal you cross over it is gone it is gone it is gone that is why we need to be warned it's a one-time shot you make that choice right now where you're gonna spend eternity this is why I crisscrossed the world to warn men and women about Jesus this is why Richard Conrad would leave Denver Colorado the comfort of, of America And suffer in Africa. And lose his wife. Tortured. But never gave up. Until Charles Juma heard. About Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm before you this morning. This is why. If you truly love. Your loved ones. You must tell them. You are not a savior. You cannot save them. But at least you can tell them about the savior. That's all Jesus requires of you. Head on me father abraham please send someone and abraham said listen to the word the gulf is fixed when you go to the store and they talk about this the fixed price you're not beginning there you can't begin it is 100 dollars. is fixed price abraham is saying the gulf between us and you is fixed Nobody can cross from here to there. Nobody can cross from there to here. Done deal. Period. No second chances. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so hell is a place of torment where they don't rest. The pain doesn't go away. You know, I would be very upset about that if God had not done something about it. I would be very upset. What kind of a God is this? Sending people to this kind of a place? If God had not done something about it, I would be very upset. But why should anybody be upset about this doctrine when God sent his son on the cross to shed his blood? Why? Why should we condemn it? What more could God have done? What love is this? For God so loved the world. He did not give silver and gold. He did not send Abraham. He sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But listen, that is not all. Hell is not simply a place of torment. It is not simply a place of uh, no second chances. Look at something else. In verse number 27, uh, with me, the word of God says, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, That you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them. Lest they also come to this place of torment. We find out that hell is also a place of separation. Hell will separate men and women forever. Hell will separate Brother Jamal, pastors, and their members, who, their members who never accepted Jesus as Savior, hell will separate uh, schoolmates, classmates, workmates, people who live together, people who are family, and some knew Jesus, and some did not know Jesus. Hell is a place of separation. This man is crying and he's saying that he has five brothers and he does not want them to be there. He knows that even though he cares and loves his brothers so much, he does not want them to be there. He's allowing to be separated from them for eternity and endless years, forever and ever. Now, did you notice in our first reading this morning the difference between people in hell and people in heaven? In the parable of the lost sheep and in the parable of the lost coin twice Jesus makes the application and says so it is with every one when it, so it is like when one sinner comes to the Lord there is joy in heaven people in heaven like when someone joins them People in heaven are waiting and begging and praying for people to come to them, to join them. People in hell are saying, no, don't let them come here. Don't let them come here. Heaven is a good place. Hell is a bad place. You don't want your loved ones to go there. You don't want anybody you care about to go there. It's a place of separation. It's a place where... Um, our loved ones will go if they don't know Jesus. And we will never see them again. There is the white throne judgment. When the books will be opened and the Lamb's book of life will be opened. And the Bible says if anyone was not found written in the Lamb's book of life. They will be sent to the lake of fire. To hell. And, uh, and there they will be forever. Separation. Forever. You know, I... I use this illustration, I uh, I like this song a lot. It's written by Porter Wagner and Dolly Patron. I like parts of the song, but I don't like some of the song. It goes something like this. The title of it is, If You Go, I'll Follow You. If you go, I'll follow you. You can't leave my my love behind. If you go, I will follow you. Even death will never end, this love of mine. I have loved you for so long with a love most true and strong. You have all I may request. And I love you, good or bad. Where you go, I'll come with you. No matter where you take me to, I'll go to hell and come back again. And I'm going to be with you until the end. I have a few pieces of advice for uh, Wagner and Dolly Patton. My kind of advice is this. Number one, when you go to hell, you don't come back again. If Wagner is talking about the kind of hell I'm talking about, then he is so mistaken. Secondly, if your loved one or the person you care about insists on going to hell, please don't follow them there. Just don't. Don't. Hell has only one way. It is not a two-way traffic. You cannot go in and come out. I have a theory. This is not biblical. This is theory. I'm not adding to the Bible. I am allowed to speculate as an apologist and a preacher of the word of God. I have a theory. It may be true, maybe not. But it is based on truth. Um, That when you go to hell, maybe as you open the door and you don't come out. you You open the door and the door closes behind you and you read. Maybe it will say something like, you know, you didn't have to come here. Because Jesus paid it all for you. You did not have to come here. And those who will be on the way to hell will find out like in downtown Louisville, you got this many streets that are one way. You cannot turn back. No. You follow it to your destiny, and you stay there, you cannot walk out. The door will close behind you, and you will read, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it as white as snow. He paid it all. So why would anyone go to hell anyway? I, I, I will not say this to this audience, but before I, begin the, before I usually begin this sermon, I will tell my audience, especially in large meetings, after this sermon, if you still want to go to hell, you need to Need to see a doctor. Something is wrong with your head, seriously. Seriously. It's a place of separation. It will separate. Listen to me. It will separate you from the loved ones, the people you knew about. But most importantly, it will separate you from the God you love. He dwells in heaven, not in hell. If he is in hell. It is, his, his presence in hell is not in the same way that His presence in heaven is. His presence in heaven is that of joy and comfort. It's that of peace and love. It's that of son and daughter and father. His presence in hell is that of judgment. This God who died on the cross for you, hell will Separate you from Him forever and ever and ever and ever. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of no second chances. Hell is a place of separation. But lastly, find out, hell is a place of what I would call painful memories. Painful memories. Um, Paleful memories. Let me read in verse number 25. In verse number 25, the Bible says, But Abraham said, Son, remember. Remember. I want you to remember back then all the opportunities that you had. In fact, I am so convinced. That the most painful thing about hell may not be the hell fires, if you want, or the fires of hell. The most painful thing in hell may be the memories of the lost opportunities. The fact that you did not have to go there. The fact that Jesus gave the whole world the opportunity. He died At noon in the daylight. Pierce crucified, hated and mocked. He rose one Sunday morning to the witness of the hundreds. Later on Paul would meet with him on the way to Damascus. Later on uh, Stephen would see him seated at the right hand of God we are told that he's coming back. He is now the Lord, the sovereign God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. He, Jesus. That any time you could come to him, that you will remember, if you are here this morning, April the 22nd, when one preacher boy from the middle of nowhere Africa, he talked about Jesus and his love on the cross and the coming judgment. You'll remember. Abraham tells the rich man, "Remember, remember how it was. Remember how in your lifetime how you lived. Remember the many opportunities you had. Remember, you remember. It's too late. You had it all. Remember. Remember." Remember, how many times have you heard the gospel and ignored it? What will it take to get your attention before it is too late? If you still walk away, ladies and gentlemen, that's why I do what I do. That's why we we are going to Haiti. That's why we, we are going to the world. That's why we have a message of love. We have a message warning at the same time. We have a God of holiness that will hold everyone accountable but we have a God of love who has done everything to make it possible to go to heaven. You cannot blame him. How can you? You can't. Oh I've heard people talk about how could he be so harsh? No he's not. To allow sin into heaven is to contradict and betray his righteousness and his holiness. So he did something about it. What did he do? He sent his only son. What more could he have done? So hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of no second chances. Hell is a place of separation. Hell is a place of painful memories. And in conclusion, our only hope and that of our family Is Jesus Christ. Abraham told Lazarus this. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. What does that mean? Well, in John chapter number 5 and verse 46, Jesus told his audience, he said, if you believed Moses, you would have believed me because Moses talked about me. Moses pointed people to Jesus. What about the prophets? The word of God, because, because Abraham is telling him, they have Moses and the prophets, Peter, speaking in Cornelius' house or home, in Acts 10 and verse number 43 said this, to him, referring to Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that in his name, anyone who believes receives forgiveness of sins. And So Moses and the prophets, preachers who have taken the place of Moses the prophet today, point people to the one who alone can save them from hell. Your hope and mind is not in your baptism. Your hope and mind is not in your pedigree, your background. Your hope and mind is not in the many degrees you've acquired. Your hope and mind is not in the riches or the poverty. Lazarus did not go to hell because he was rich, he went to hell because he rejected Jesus. Lazarus, I mean, did not go to, to heaven, I'm sorry, because he was poor. Poverty does not qualify anyone to go to heaven. He went to heaven because he received Jesus. The rich man did not go to hell because just, God just hated rich people. No. He went to hell because he rejected Jesus. The rich and the poor, the young and the old that come to Jesus, will be forgiven. Moses and the prophets point people to the cross. So this morning, your hope and mine and that of your family is not in your baptism, is not in your church membership, is not in your pedigree, is not in your poverty or riches, is not in this or other, is not in anything inside you. Your hope and mine and that of your family is in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, who alone conquered death, and who alone is able to save you. I end where I began. Do you know Jesus as Savior? If you don't, I beg you. Just don't care about what anyone is thinking about. Pastor Jamal, last week I was in the Gulf Coast in a large church, Mississippi, and I was preaching, and I found a 72-year-old man who, who has lived with his wife the whole time but finally decided that he's going to come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior and be baptized. And the wife doesn't like it because it makes her life a little awkward. How are people in the church going to think about her? Now you are going forward alone. And I remember his name is Charles. The rich man, I mean the, 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 the poor, the, the, the old guy who was baptized while I was there said to his wife, he said, honey, you may prepare my food and you can wash my clothes. But when it comes to going to heaven, I must decide alone. You cannot save me. Will you come to Jesus today? And if you know somebody, would you allow us to pray for them as well this morning? Pastor Jamal. Let us praise God for the message and the messenger. I'm going to ask the the deacons and the ministers to come.